to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. All right, we're back with the final episode of season one. Yes, we are. Season finale. Yep. A lot of stuff happens in this episode, Aiden. Did you watch it? We just watched it together 20 minutes ago. I'm just informing our friends in podcast land. Is that a land? I feel like it should be like an ether. Podcast ether? Yeah. Like it's something light travels through. Anyways, uh, yes, we just watched it and it is jam-packed. So we have lots to talk about. Um, And it's a a really good episode. Just on its own. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not maybe the best directed one or the best written one, but it is really, really good. And uh, yeah. So let's yes. share. Let's share the joy. Let's share the joy. Do you want to start with the log later, or do you want to do the background of the episode first? Yeah, well, we'll do the background. Do we'll the just background. get that going. Yep. Uh, so episode eight, titled The Last Evening, written and directed by Mark Frost. Oh, directed by. Uh-huh, cool. yeah. Interesting. It aired on May 23rd, 1990, which, if you recall from our previous air dates, we've been on a Thursday night rotation for about the last six weeks with Twin Peaks. Yes, and this is a Wednesday. This is a Wednesday of. night. Yeah. And the the lovely podcasters over on The Gifted and the Damned uh, did a beautiful breakdown of why and how May sweeps were so important to the first season of Twin Peaks. And that's where this comes in because May 23rd, 1990 was the last night that advertising and everything related to the sweeps period would be counted. So if Twin Peaks had aired on the the Thursday, the the 24th, it would not have been counted. And this was their barn burner of an episode that they were, the finale, they were throwing everything at the wall. They were leaving all of these cliffhanger endings. They really, really were driving up. And, And I mean... They had even teased that that you would find out who killed Laura in the end of, of well, this yeah, episode. Well, yeah, because it sounds like everything's leading towards Leo Johnson in the previous exactly. episode. And you think, oh, they know where he is now. Uh, so this was yeah. a ploy on the part of, the, of ABC to get viewers in and to really cap off uh, an eight-episode run, most of which took place during sweeps period. They... The show wasn't doing very good. There were doubts that it was going to be brought back for season two. So this this was a ploy. This was definitely a ploy. And uh, interestingly enough, we, we've been watching this on the uh, entire mystery Blu-ray yep. edition. Yep. And um, one of the special features is a series of promos and sneak peeks and stuff for the, for the episodes as they were running or as they were airing on ABC. And I didn't even clue in i had not i i've I've had this for two years i've never even watched them and we just watched them now and there was a a promo to advertise that this was going to be on wednesday night instead of thursday instead of thursday yeah and i think like i mean just from a business point of view you want to yes you want to get the best ratings you can for it during the sweeps to make money off the advertisers but if nobody's going to be watching because they are used to it being on thursday is that really helping the cause like i mean obviously they must have slathered that promo on every, I'm sure they on did. every couple of, every hour or so because that's the only way you'd hear about it right especially yeah. in that day and age so yeah I, I just it's it's a little odd to me I mean it's interesting but I don't well it just speaks totally to I mean and you can go ahead and you can listen to this other podcast to the gifted and the damned I really do highly recommend it they did a great job um, breaking this down the reasons why Twin Peaks was eventually canceled and I 
I just, I can't absolve ABC of blame here, like some other people have, have tried to do recently, because they did, they, they seemed to go out of their way. They just didn't have enough faith in the show, and it wasn't performing. It was performing poorly by this well, point. Well, okay, define poorly, though. It still probably had, like, 20 million viewers. Right, or okay, like so it had, it had numbers that we would be happy with today. We'd be amazed by today. Absolutely, but at the time, it was in the bottom half of of oh. the the ratings. Okay, but do you cancel all the shows in the bottom half? Probably Most of not. them did. If you oh, look, really? if you okay. look at the shows that were in the bottom half, we nobody talks about them anymore. I don't even know any of. Well, the that's shows what I'm that saying. It's like okay, there were lots of shows that don't perform well initially, yeah. and networks keep them on. And then they, they get a cult following, their following grows. That, absolutely. But I think ABC being the, they were the the lowest, they were the last um, of the big three. Yeah. Fox wasn't an, an issue at this point yet. It was only airing a few nights a week. Um, we should really save this discussion for Yes, the, we should. The, the season wrap-up episode, we should. which is coming. But anyway, all, all I'm getting at is that, yeah. you know, ABC changed the date around and... It may have impacted things. It may have impacted things. But yeah. anyway, we have this Wednesday, May 23rd, 1990, six days before my fifth birthday. Yes. And actually, sorry, this is also just a funny fact. We're recording this on November 10th, 2016, which is how many years to the day since this was the day they revealed who killed Laura Palmer, the episode in the second season oh. where you actually see that. I saw that on the Twin Peaks Facebook page today. Um, and yes, yeah, so this is a, also an anniversary by happenstance so and by the time you're listening to this it will be several weeks from now it might even be 2017 depending on when we get yeah this probably released, yeah but, but anyways anyway. yeah <laughs> for us it's a cool little yeah a little tidbit so anyway, um, yeah so we're not gonna find out who killed laura palmer tonight no no you don't find that mm -hmm. out like we said this is a cliffhanger it is full of cliffhangers yep yeah <laughs> it is a <laughs> wow that was a little tautological statement there yeah. um yeah so let's get started with uh the log lady intro yes yes um and this one it's it's kind of I don't know I it's another esoteric one. It doesn't directly relate except for at the end. Anyways, Lindsay, what did you? Well, I think, think it's about it? I, I think it's it's an interesting uh, statement to make about imitation or appearance mm -hmm. versus reality, and and imitation generally. How um, a drunk man and a sober man can imitate the walk of a drunk man. Um, an evil man can't a good man can't imitate an evil man an evil man can't imitate a good man i think that's what she's getting at so so it speaks to a lot of the the nefarious plots and subplots that are happening in this episode there's yeah. a lot of bad men yeah um there's also cooper pretending to be a bad man yeah exactly setting up shock and i thought that's one of the most interesting scenes which we'll come to is is him talking to Jacques. And you got this Boy Scout Cooper, yeah. you know, playing along with Jacques describing these like terrible. But things. we've seen him in in previous episodes, you know, with that dark. Um, we've called it sinister. We've called it gleeful at the you know the thought of murder and mayhem. He gets to put it to use. Cooper does here, mm -hmm. um, pretending to be this bad guy. So it's it's almost like it's not a surprise at this point. He does pull it off. So I'm not sure if, if uh, the log lady is entirely prescient here, if this is her way of, of, if she's being, if it's a true statement, if what she's saying is yeah. a true statement, yeah. or if it's just meant to call attention to the fact that what we see is not necessarily what is actually happening, yeah. which we know because we've been watching this for, yep. you know, eight hours now. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then the second half of her speech uh, goes into um, life having a rhythm similar to music, and then she See, says... Well, she talks about secrets, and she talks about uh, questions. And secrets are important. We talked about secrets in the last episode yeah. with... Uh, well, Laura and everybody. Everybody has secrets, yeah. and secrets are a bad thing. She asks if she's being too secretive. Yeah. And, and she says she's not. But we know secrets aren't a good thing. And she is kind of being secretive a bit. Well, and, but that's the thing. Like, this whole episode is basically... <laughs> the audience is being withheld. The audience has secrets held withheld from them at the end of the episode. Like, that's what a cliffhanger is. Mm-hmm. It's a secret that's waiting to be discovered. Yep. And so this whole episode is basically one set of secrets. So is she being too secretive? No. I mean, maybe as the audience, you're supposed to say, yes, yes, you, you, I want to know what happens to these characters. But do we really want to know what happens? Well, yeah, like her response is, one can never answer questions at the wrong moment. Yeah. So I guess, you know, delaying it a little bit is good. But then she does talk about yes. uh, life like music has a rhythm. This particular song will end with three sharp notes, like deathly drum beats. And there are drum beats in the episode. There but then are. There are three bangs, which are the three shots uh, towards Cooper at the end of the episode. Um, which, yeah. Spoiler alert. It's we're gonna talk about it I know, in twenty minutes. Most people most people have, have already watched this, I'm guessing, so Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. And I'm just, but that's I'm just, just bugging you. Yeah, well, just, just you know. get your knickers untwisted. We'll move on to the next scene. Sure. Well the first scene. The first scene. Alright, what's in the first scene? Well, we Oh wait, we wait, are, first oh. the terrible plot summary. Oh yes. There's we can't find good ones. This one's is Ben Horn's plans are finally realized with unforeseen consequences. Which isn't really accurate at all because but everything else kind of would spoil it, I think. Maybe that's why. I guess why. that's true. That's true. We'll, we'll give IMDb, it that. IMDb, you're, you're, you're failing us here. Yeah. I, well, they probably got them from the German website or something Maybe. like that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's the title of this one? I already oh, said The Last you Evening. You did The Last Evening? I did. Okay, sorry. I missed that. Um, yeah. So we pick up on the night of March 2nd, mm-hmm. still the same night that we were on the previous episode. And we're in Jacoby's office, and we've got Donna and James looking for the tape, the missing tape that he has from... That Laura made for Laura him the night that him. she died. Yeah. And uh, and outside, Bobby is... We know Bobby's putting drugs yeah, in, put in drugs James' in car. James. So that happened in the previous episode. But we just get Donna and James. And it's kind of a... I don't well, know. How do you feel Well, it's an interesting shot to start with because it's it's a shot of, like, the Hawaii landscape that he's set up and uh, Jacoby is set up in his office. Is it, like, wallpaper or does he have, I like, a know. screen or yeah, something? Yeah, it's like a screen that has, like, the sunset light source on it. And yeah. then there's the palm trees and stuff in front. And I, they're obviously fake. But um, it, it gives a sense of, like, this calm tropical oasis. And and the, the camera pans over this for, like, I don't know, it's, like, 30 seconds or something. It's yeah. quite a long shot of nothing but it, you do get the sense of like calm and uh tranquility yeah so it's like this weird kind of like tranquil shot mm-hmm. um and there's no music really that i think there's some quiet uh waves and bird sounds in the background but it's yeah. very very quaint not quaint it's very very quiet yeah um and then the kind of eerie music kicks in as you pan away from that towards the kids I call them the kids. That's that's my yeah, mind for them. Yeah, they're the yeah, but they're like the kid investigators too. Yeah. They're just bad at it and childish. And Encyclopedia they really... Brown, but yeah, not, not really, really even good at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, so it's it's like this. Uh, it's like they're they're like intruding on his oasis. I, guess, I mean, that's the obvious reading, but also, uh, I guess the sense that behind his his kind of calm exterior and his love of the tropics is. Um, something a little more sinister and that's what they're kind of peeking into and that's what the coconut so they barge in yeah. they play around they screw up his music 
<laughs> by touching a control panel or yep. something. Uh, and then they look inside his coconut, which uh, Laura had mentioned in a previous uh, tape. And that's where they find the other tape and the other half of the locket. Right. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of like they expose the inner piece, which is, you know, not tropical, not quaint, not calm. It's this, you know, dirty interior of Laura's confessions are, are being found in there. So it's just it's just another kind of uh, matching of, of stuff there. Did you have anything else about that scene that wasn't? I have nothing to add to this scene. <laughs> I am so bored with Donna and James them. at this point. I did also love how they have, uh, they're, I don't know, they're like talking about something about Dr. Jacoby and they're both like, we, oh yeah, they find the little miniature. Yeah, all the little umbrellas. Umbrellas with dates and like stuff. What are which they is, dates of? Yeah, they're all well. The one that they pull out is is listed as landing. being well. No, but it's listed as being from a hotel somewhere. Well, yeah, it's, he's that's so where from, he was he when had he had a drink. A drink. He took the so and that's this, how he remembers the dates. And one of them is is when he he met Mimsy, someone Mimsy. named Mimsy. So are these like conquests? Are these Jacoby's Well, conquests? yeah, it's, it's all they... his memorable nights, I think, yeah, he keeps with, the umbrellas with, from. you know, beautiful Polynesian women. And, yeah, they're, like, weird. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> they just have, like, a great little moment there. It's it's kind of funny. But it is also kind of like, it's like Emery Battis and his book. Oh, yeah, totally. So no, yeah. it's just another way that a, that a creepy man in this town is categorizing and, and cataloging women. It's Mitt Romney's binder full of women. That's... It's, it is. It is Jacoby's box full of umbrellas. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, except for the moon landing is not a woman. No, but it's just <laughs> something else that he remembers. The date that they put on that is wrong, too. Yeah, the you moon landing, that, yeah. yeah. The moon landing they have on the thing is July 8th, 1969. It was mm-hmm. not July 8th. Although we did catch that uh, in the overdub, James says July 1968, yeah, but whatever. Which, yeah, so who knows? Maybe they caught that in post, and they're like, "Oh, that wasn't right." So, but anyways, um, so then you cut back to Doctor Jacoby in the uh, the gazebo. gazebo He's in Easter Park. Easter Park. That's what's called. Sorry. Um, Yeah, and he's kind of he's watching Laura. Well, it's Maddie, but yeah, he thinks it's dressed up as Laura. Yeah, he wants to know why. It's kind of interesting that in the tape that he was sent, um, they told him to go to Sparkwood in twenty one to meet her. Uh, or she told him to go to Sparkwood in 21, but he goes to the gazebo, and she's there. We discussed this in the previous episode. There's no real reason why she's still waiting there, hanging around. Especially dressed still. like Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but she, he, he sees her, and he has a moment where he's like, oh, my God, like he, he really believes it is Laura. And then he's that tapped. sinister figure that we saw in the last episode the the shifting camera yeah, comes behind and knocks him out. Basically, yeah, and, and he has a massive heart attack. heart attack. But I I found that interesting more because um, the way he treats when he he thinks it's Laura again. Like mm-hmm. when he sees Maddie, he's, he's like Laura or something. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly what he says. And then after uh, he gets beat up and he has his heart attack, uh, his attacker flees. Who you don't see? Well, you do see him. He's in all black again, which is eerily similar to. Uh, when Leo was in the woods. Yeah, the, hood, the, the hooded figure. The hooded the figure, yeah. yeah. It's dressed very similar, but we won't go too far into that. But anyways, um, he went, and then James and, and Donna come back, and they all pile up and leave. And that's when he says no, and he, like, reaches for Laura. And mm-hmm. it, to me, it's almost like, it's less about he wants their help for his physical sake. It's more like they're taking Laura away. Oh, again. yeah, for sure. And it's, it's again, it's a really, really kind of sad indictment of Jacoby, how much he was, like, obsessed yeah. with this... This teenage girl, it's, yeah. But it's, again, it's a great insight into his character. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was just, yeah. No, that's, no, no yeah. that's fine. Okay. 
so after that, we go to One Eye Jacks, and we've got yeah. Cooper and Jacques at the blackjack table, mm-hmm. and uh, Cooper uh, hands over the broken chip that mm-hmm. they found at Jacques' cabin, and hints that he's a friend of Leo's, and can I buy you a drink? And Leo obviously goes because he just got a thousand dollar chip yeah. from Jacques. Some, you mean yeah? Or sorry, yeah, yeah. Jacques uh, goes with Cooper to have a, have a drink. Accuses him of co- counting the cards, mm-hmm. and then uh, Cooper goes into this whole. Do you know you? Leo never told you who I am. You don't know who I am. Jacques plays dumb. Well, not really plays dumb because he doesn't know who he is. Yeah. But uh, but Cooper pretends that he's the he's been the, the financier behind, yeah. behind this drug operation that Jacques and the Renault brothers have been running uh, with Leo, um, and he pretends that he's got this this one big. $10,000 job, job yeah. that he wants Jacques to do. No middleman, no Leo. He's going to give him $5,000 now, $5,000 at the end of the night. If he goes across the border to the water treatment plant, presumably in Washington State, which is where they've laid a trap for, for him in order to... Yeah. I have a problem with this in in the sense, again, just to be pedantic, but, <laughs> but here we have Cooper way outside his jurisdiction, not operating underneath any kind of legal guidelines that would stand up in a court of law, um, luring a man across the border, uh, a Canadian national, no less, across the border to to arrest him under suspicion of murder. Yeah, I really don't think this would hold no, up in court. No, it you absolutely know? <laughs> wouldn't. That's my point. Yeah. So it's like, and Cooper must know this, right? Like, well, he's not an think, idiot. I don't know. I get the sense Twin Peaks is not that obsessed with the actual intricacies no. of the legal system. But but I think what it says more is just that, that Cooper enjoys this, the thrill of this. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Which I get, get the sense, sense he's, yeah. you know, he... he Maybe was a well. We know if you've read uh, his autobiography, you know he was a Eagle Scout or Boy Scout, and you know being part of this group of manly men and mm-hmm. in this woodsy town. I mean, I'm sure that that's something that Cooper doesn't get a lot of. Although he is part of an old boys club with you know the FBI. The FBI and, itself, yeah. But anyway, I think this is just you know. Yeah. 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 This extracurricular law enforcement thing that he's got going for him. It. It. it bothers me a bit but whatever yeah uh, um, th- there's also sorry the one i i did decipher what my note says mm. uh, it's that one where there's so a girl comes up to him after oh, he's on yeah. the hand and she whispers something in his ear and he says like thanks for asking or it's like yeah, yeah. No, i'm not not right now maybe later thanks, thanks for, for asking. asking which is just you know you don't know what she said but it's it's a very typically cooper response like it is he's so pleasant about it and you know she just probably warm. propositioned him yeah well, of you course, know, I, that's I'll, how she makes money. Yeah, so. sexual favors up the wazoo, and yeah. he's just like so honored that she asked. Yeah, he's you just know? like, oh, that's nice of you. Maybe later. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's. I think Cooper's rejection of Audrey in the previous episode really, you know, it's just his character. That's what he does. He just lets women down gently, even the hookers. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, very nice great. of him. Uh, so then we go to Audrey, right? And she's also a one of Jacks. Yeah. Well, we skipped around a little bit. We we. We see that Cooper and, and Jacques have their first encounter, and then oh, their conversation right. yeah. carries Continues on after. On, yeah. In between that, we get um, Audrey and her new uh, 52 pickup card uh, get-up that she's mm-hmm. got. And uh, she's in the office with uh, with Blackie. Blackie, yeah. And she picks the card that she's yes. going to be, and Which she's the, of queen, course, of the queen of diamonds. Yeah. What else could Audrey be? Um, well, the queen of hearts, maybe. 
Yeah, but she's more flashy than that. Yeah, she's <laughs> Queen of Diamonds. Yeah. But anyway, um, but she sees Cooper on the surveillance camera. So first of all, yeah. Blackie is watching him. Now, are they watching him because they're suspicious of him? She was kind of suspicious of him in the beginning. She said they. Well, I think yeah, like any cops part of any sort of new client probably would be maybe because when he's, he's money, a, yeah, yeah, he's a card counter. Yeah. Or so, he's having a, too good a night, right? Yeah. Um, but Audrey sees him, and, and I think in her mind, this is how I read it. I don't know, Aiden, maybe you read it differently. How I read it is that she's seeing him and thinks, oh, he got my note, or he knows I'm here. And it must give her a feeling of boldness that she can go forward knowing that she's got backup, kind mm -hmm. of, that Cooper's there and nothing bad can happen to her, which pushes her in, into further into danger as we find out by the end of this episode. Um, things take a pretty pretty dark turn for her. Um, but I think it's all precipitated here in this moment when she sees him. If she hadn't seen him, I don't know what she would have done. But but I get the feeling that it must change the way she feels yeah, about her and, position. Yeah, and you see it on her face right away. She's kind of apprehensive, and then she kind of gasps as, as Cooper uh, is seen. Yeah, Blackie like, notices, right? And she has to yeah, play it yeah, off as yeah. like, oh, no. No, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, definitely I... And that, that's kind of my one uh, comment for Audrey this whole time is like, what's going through her mind? What is she really planning? Plus, she's at One-Eyed Jack's, and this is the first time when she's not doing any investigating. She's kind of just trapped in this thing. Like, there's, yeah. a, there's a scene or a shot of her a little bit later where she just wanders around the room a little bit. And that's the whole shot is just her kind of waiting for something to happen because she, she's found out that the owner wants to meet her that night. But right. she doesn't take any active role anymore. She's just kind of passively waiting for... Well, she can't really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, I get well, the sense that these aren't these aren't the freest of women. No, of course, just, no. You know. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, then why did she go why there? Why is she there? Like, no, yeah, exactly. It's... Just, it's yeah. It's 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 an excuse for the writers to put yeah, damsel in, in distress. distress. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And I don't like that because no, I, of course not. It's not fitting with her character. She wouldn't just be laying there waiting for something to happen. If especially, well, she might be. I don't know. Really? No, I. No, I mean, she I hasn't done that once this whole episode, the whole series. She's been active. She's been looking for leads. She's been talking to people. She's been snooping on people. Like, why is she not snooping on Blackie or something? Like, or snooping for Cooper or something like that, right? Yeah. Like, she's trying to find out what happened to Laura and how One Eye Jax is involved, and she's not doing anything about it once she gets there. It's 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 a bad character flaw or character or a character uh, hiccup in my mind. Like, yeah. they had the character and then. As soon as they got her there, she's like, oh, nope, she's just the damsel in distress now, which yeah. she becomes for later episodes very strongly. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah, sorry. Um, one other question I had. Mm -hmm. uh, Leo, and, or no, Jacques and Cooper are discussing business, and I always got the sense that Leo was not the mastermind, that they were both equal partners, he and... Leo and Jacques? Yeah, and the Renaults were kind of like both about the same. Okay. Um, like, and so... The, the like okay here's what I don't understand the cocaine is coming into Twin Peaks from Canada yeah so how is Leo kind of the head honcho like that doesn't make much sense usually the supplier would be from north of the border and they would be the ones who are making the most money right the Leo's just a distributor at that point yeah so it doesn't really make much sense for Cooper to say oh I'm bankrolling it from the states I guess he could be then he'd just be another middleman yeah it, so it's it's it's, it's, it's best strange. not to not to overthink this too much. Yeah, I just don't. I I'm mean, not a hundred percent sure that 
it jives with yeah. I mean, we don't know the inner workings of many drug organizations ourselves. I guess, yeah. We're, we're just, quite naive yes, in this true. area. Okay, I, maybe I'm just <laughs> outed myself as a complete idiot in that regard. But anyways. But no, I, I, I just think it's... Yeah, it's just know. a convenient... It's another convenient excuse yes. to, to run the episode the way it does. Yeah. But it works well. It's true. We also get Jacques' viewpoint on what happened the night uh, that Laura and Ronette were attacked. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a disturbing, disgusting scene. I mean... Yeah, um, it's so gross. I mean, he just the way they the he, way he they plays film it, it and yeah. the way they film it is they just zoom like, in on his mouth, yeah. describing the words and what happened, and and then you get back and forth between yeah uh, him and then Cooper playing the bad guy. Yeah, but uh, he, with obvious like there's horror on his face yeah, when like he's he, hearing that these things yeah, happened. I thought maybe that was a little much. I'm like, does he want to give it away that he's not into this kind of stuff? Because that's yeah. I thought he played it a little bit strong. Well, that and way, when but. and when the the last thing that Jacques says to Cooper is because Cooper goes, "Well, thanks for clearing that up," and and Jacques goes, "Yeah, no problem." And you almost get the sense that you know Jacques was really into it, and yeah. then Cooper, well, yeah, Cooper says, "Yeah, not, well, yeah. thanks for that." And and Jacques like, like, "Oh, did I cross a yeah, line yeah, here or something?" Yeah. It's just the way like the look on his yeah. face almost. No, it's true. So I did wonder when I first saw that I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like Cooper, Cooper's just giving himself away, and now. Yeah. You know, this could be a problem. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, Cooper out. also he does have kind of that that creepy streak of like it sounds like, yeah, he's almost like he almost has the uh, the hard nosed attitude of like of a kingpin who's not really like he doesn't get excited by yeah like sex with women or anything like that. None of that excites him. He's just he's so you know smooth Calm, and cool, cool and yeah, collected. exactly that nothing like that even excites him. So yeah, I don't know. It could be yeah yeah. But anyway. So, uh, speaking of Leo. Oh, yeah. We head back to the Johnson's house, uh, and uh, Shelly is washing her hair in the sink. Poor Shelly doesn't, doesn't even have a shower. It's my best note. In oh, like, what was she doing getting with Leo? Anyways. Um, so she's washing her hair in the sink, and she reaches for her towel. towel. And, oh, it's moved away because Leo's there. Yeah. And he grabs her, knocks the gun away, or takes the gun from her. And, yeah, uh, yeah then he's like, oh, you made me do this, Shelly. Blah, yeah. blah. He's so basically shit's evil. going down. Yeah. Um, and then where do we go from there? The water processing plant. So oh, it is. right so away. Now, yeah, we're setting up the Jacques It's arrest. a couple hours later because that's when Cooper wanted Jacques to meet him there yeah. was two hours later. So Jacques is making his approach. Uh, Truman and Andy have a little back and forth about Lucy. Lucy, it's just, yeah. You know, and Andy's, it's a bit of comic relief. Andy's yeah. just doing his funny stuff. And um, there's a lot of fishing metaphors Yeah, there. which so, is weird. Like that, they even, from the initial thing, uh, when Cooper announced over his uh, wire to uh, Trout's Hawk. on the line. Yeah, Trout's on the line. Yeah, something like that. Um, and then there's like a whole back and forth between Andy, uh, Truman, Truman Hawk. and Hawk. Like they're all just, they go all in, in on, on this fishing, fishing metaphor. metaphor. Yeah. Jerry, Hawk here. The Trout's heading upstream towards the net. Hawk, hold the line. We'll set the hook. You got a 20 on Agent Cooper? He's downstream about 10 minutes. He'll probably miss the catch, but he'll be there when we grill him. Copy that. We'll make our move as soon as the big fish shows his fins. Uh, which is, you know, I guess fine. And the scene kind of plays out like that. Like, uh, you know, he there's there's a waiting thing. He comes and then death approaches from all angles. Right. Uh, just like a fish out of water, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so they do uh, manage to arrest him. Of course, in the meantime, he... Knocks a, knocks the arresting officer out of the way and goes for gotcha. his gun, and he's gonna get Truman. Yeah, presumably because Truman is walking with his back to Jacques, walking back to the cruiser, 
and uh, and a- Andy. Andy is the one who comes out with all that training. Yeah. He finally gets the, his penis ready. Yeah. And he shoots, and he shoots Jacques. It, shoots that penis just right. Hits Jacques in the shoulder, takes him down, and they manage <laughs> to arrest him. And it's funny because, yeah. So do they go right there? Do they go to the Not quite. Station no, next? It's, no it's a little bit later. Yeah, but we'll get yeah. back to the penis right away. Um, yeah, so, so then that, that's, that's, yeah, that's how that's, that, that. So they do ends. successfully arrest him, yeah. Yeah. Um, we jump to the Haywards, and we've yes, got, we're listening the kids. to the tape. The kids yeah. are listening to the tape. Yeah, and um, it's uh, it's painful for for uh, James to hear that Laura thinks that he's, he's kind of dull yeah, and dumb. boring. Well, no, he describes dumb. as dumb. dumb. Yeah. It, it, I heard dull. I don't know Oh, why. maybe it is. See, maybe I was yeah. projecting, because my note is, uh, Laura's setting up, uh, or discussing James, and I put, just accurate. <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't, I don't think that was unfair of her. Um, and then, yeah, she has, like, some weird kind of, like, weird wordplay, almost. Well. She, she talks about, like, my mystery man, and if you find out, you'll be history man. Like, yeah. It's kind of weird. It doesn't really fit. It, it almost sounds like... Well, is pretending to be secretive here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I get the sense that she's. I mean, either she was on drugs when she was recording this, which is entirely possible. We know that this yeah. is the night she died, and she had cocaine in her system. So, yeah. I mean, that's possible. She what? And yeah, if you remember from Firewalk with me, if you watch that, she was doing drugs the night that she yeah. left. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she. Uh, we find out, like, her mystery man drives the red Corvette, and he really so, lights her, F-I-R-E. Yeah. It's a really, yeah, it's, it's, um... It's an overly dramatic way it to is. make a journal entry, but, yeah. It is, and I don't know what the point is, what no. she's getting at with, yeah. uh... Maybe, and, yeah, and, maybe I mean, it's just weird. How many people in Twin Peaks drive a red Corvette? I mean, it's not really yeah. a mystery at that point. How yeah. did Jacoby not, not figure that out? Yeah. Anyway, it, it really... Well, no, I think Jacoby did know because he, he was trying did. to follow yeah. him. Remember that, that's that true. one night? That's true, the guy with the red Corvette. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. But anyway, it, it really doesn't matter. The, the the crux of that scene is just that James hears that Laura didn't think the world of him that he yeah. thought of her. And also, for some reason, they think this clears Jacoby entirely. Yeah. Which it really doesn't to me. Not at all. Because he still had the other half of the heart. Yeah. The police think that whoever had the other half of the heart was involved with the... with. The murder. The murder. Because he left half of it there, right? Exactly. So now, but but James is just like, uh, to, he says to Maddie, Jacoby didn't do it. Yeah. He was trying to help her. Yeah, and it's... It's like, it how seems did like you maybe, get that? Yeah, like, and I guess uh, with foresight of the show, uh, it seems like maybe they were trying to maybe do a misdirect because... I hindsight? Think they, you mean hindsight? Yeah, yeah. What Not did I foresight. Say? Well, I have foresight of the rest of the show. Like, if, if I knew the rest of the show at that point, I can't, you're right, hindsight's Hindsight. probably better. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and I, uh, you know, maybe they were kind of doing a bit of a misdirect on Jacoby. Maybe. Maybe. Because like, I think he kind of comes back right before they do reveal the killer as a possible candidate again. Um, just because they don't know where he was the night of the murder or something. I don't remember exactly what happened. Does that make, ring any bells? Nope. No. Okay. Maybe I'm making it up. Um, but yeah, we both thought, like, Really, this doesn't clear Jacoby at all. No, I, I get the sense that um, this was the episode where they were like, we're going to hone in on, on who the prime suspect is, so let's get all the people who were on that chalkboard in episode three. We'll just knock them off one by one. These yeah. guys didn't do it. He wasn't there. He wasn't involved. Let's throw a line. James will have a line. Yeah, James, just, just say... Just clear it up for yeah, the audience. Jacoby yeah, Jacoby didn't do it. Yeah. There's no evidence to suggest that he didn't do it. Yeah. At least not the evidence that they have. Yeah. So it's it. 
it's a troubling line. It's always bothered me. Yeah. But it it maybe is playing into the fact that James is kind of dumb. dumb. Maybe Laura was on to something. <laughs> like I said, just accurate. Um, where do we go after that? The because mill. The mill, yes. The mill. So Leo has bound Shelley. Yeah. Uh, he, he, so he's the one who's been tasked with burning down, burning the, down mill. the mill. He's also going to kill his wife just out just of spite. Yeah, well, she's he's got to burn down Two the birds mill, with one stone. And he wants to kill her. So that's what he's going to do. Now, I, okay, this sounds terrible, but he... Honestly, and maybe it's just the actor did a really good job, but he really does seem like he's heartbroken by I her betrayal. I was going to say the same thing, yeah. And it's, it's kind of sad that you're like, oh, poor little Leo yeah. is going to murder her. and like, like He's take just it. so heartbroken. Yeah, it just he's like, you broke my heart. And then he like slams stuff. It's like, you broke my heart! It's all there. Like, you kind of get a little bit of feeling sorry for him, but then, of course, his response is just totally unreasonable and stupid. But it's, yeah, it's a great... Yeah, they're, they're, you you do get the sense that he is kind of heartbroken himself. Yeah, and yeah. And he's sad that he has to do this. Well, well he, doesn't he doesn't have, have to, to do this, but... He feels he yeah. has to do it, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting side note, we found mm-hmm. out that uh, Eric Delray, who is the, the actor, Leo Johnson's actor... Yeah. Um, was an apparently very, very, very nice guy. Lovely guy. Yeah, everybody in real on the life. set. Shelly, I guess, the Machin Amic. She had a really hard time playing off him because she knew that he was such a nice guy yeah. off camera. Yeah. So uh, she had a hard time being scared of him and stuff. So, I, in fact, there's not many scenes when, like, they're, where she's being afraid of him physically. Right. Like, it's always like it's a cut across. So she just reacts to the camera mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. I wonder if that was on purpose because she had a hard time. Right. Um, but anyways, this, well, this comes back later because he has another great funny line. Yeah. Which I think in this is episode? totally yeah from yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah. from uh, the actor not. But yeah, <laughs> not he's, Leo. he's 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 yeah. pretty good as a as a bad guy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I think he played it really well. And his mom was a casting director apparently. Yeah, for the show, right? For the show. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there so. it was. Yeah. Uh, so from there, do we go to Nadine? That's do my we next. Do. Yeah. And Poor this Nadine. Is, yeah, this is a really. It's kind of it's probably the most soap opery yes scene of the episode because um, it's very melodramatic and she she makes it melodramatic she lays out her blanket and she has her prom dress on I'm assuming, assuming it's a prom yeah something some sort of fancy dress, dress yeah um, and then she pours out her pills very quietly and she has like a pitcher of water to pour mm-hmm. into the glass that she's going to use to overdose um, we should say she's she's going to commit suicide yeah she's going to commit Aiden, suicide Aiden skipped over that part but Whatever. yeah but it's and. So it's it's and then kind she says of, she says goodbye. Yeah, yeah, and it's so end. it's so over dramatic, but at the same time, it's very touching because you're like, this is a woman with mental health issues. Yes, who's, and this is where mental health issues can wind up. Really, Absolutely. if they're untreated, is and it's not suicide. like like we we've we've seen her. the The main crux of her storyline has been these drape runners. Yeah, she's been rejected by. a one patent attorney. We don't know how many others she's tried, Just if she's tried any others. Just the one. But for sure the one has rejected her. She's taken that very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably not the only thing. Well, she's She knows that Ed, Ed and Norma and... are together, probably. And there might be other things. I mean, you know, mental health problems can be... Yeah, it can go anywhere, yeah, right? Yeah, they and can it's... be hereditary. She could have had this her whole life. Yeah. Um, we don't get a lot of her backstory. We don't know necessarily no. what's going no, on with her. No, we never get her backstory. But it's all of a sudden um, you can't. You look back on her on her arc in the last eight episodes, 
and you can't laugh at it anymore. Yeah, it makes it really hard. And that's what bothers me about Nadine's storyline because it does end up in the second season devolving oh, into something that's again, very yeah. yeah, just comedy quirk for quirk's sake that yeah. that I think It's one of the worst parts of season 2 even if it is kind of entertaining because it's kind of silly and out there, but it's not like her Knowing, character yeah. yeah, has a it has an arc. She has a really good mm-hmm. arc in this in this first season and it ends up at this sad point. Mm-hmm. But you very much understand it. You're like this is a woman who's not well who can't handle stress or disappointment very well. I mean, from getting mad at, mm-hmm. <laughs> at Ed and then bending the bars on her, her rowing machine to mm-hmm. this uh, by being re- feeling rejected and stuff. Um, it's it's really touching. And and the the interesting thing I noticed about this is uh, the love theme from yes. Two Weeks Plays, but in a new key. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's on the harp, I think. Oh, yeah, it's something. a different it's, instrument, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's the first time that kind of happens, mm-hmm. and it's dedicated to her, and it's it's kind of like... And then it just kind of dies, and it's like the love has died as she's taking. It's the really pills. sad. It is. It's a it's yeah. a great little sad scene, and uh, yeah, you pick it up again in a little bit as mm-hmm. well. But it it's it's a tragedy in the sense that um, this show could have done a real job with Nadine and and issues around mental health and well. As well it's, as that's they could not have what, in that's the not the, and it's not yeah. what the show was meant to do, no. I guess. But it just it no, but it, I mean, it, it still treated her well up to this point, you know. And maybe again, this is something maybe we can talk about in the in the season one recap sure. episode. But it, she had an arc; it was character driven, mm-hmm. and it worked really well. And then and it was believable. It was believable, and even it, if it, it was tragic and and terribly sad. Yeah, and it had some, it, you know, the mental health issues weren't the source of the funny parts. You know, Nadine's funny when she's kind of socially and like oblivious. Like that's yeah. what makes Nadine funny sometimes. Um, so that was not what was played up uh, for that. The, the mental illness was left as kind of a sad under. Well, but that right? could have been a result of her mental illness. I yeah, I guess. But I mean, yeah, that's true. I guess. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah, Nadine uh, is going to kill herself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's go to the Blue Pine Lodge and find out what Hank and Josie are up to. Because yeah. we, we wondered about this at the end of the last episode, having forgotten that yeah. this episode answers that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, Josie gives Hank $90,000. Yeah, in cash, in a briefcase. Yeah. In a briefcase. And it's because he, we find well, he, he explains, was in jail yeah. for 18 months. And you're like, hmm, 18 months? Andrew Packard died 18 months ago. Yeah. Hmm. And then you find out 30 seconds later that Hank was the one who killed Andrew Packard. He arranged the boating accident to make it look like an accident. Um, And then went up for this vehicular manslaughter charge rather than going up for potentially murder murder charge. So So somehow somebody got in with the legal system and got him a lighter sentence. Josie presumably is the one behind this because she's paying him $90,000. And her motivation is obvious. She got the Packard name and she got the mill and all his money and everything like that. So, and the big house. So, So all of a sudden. Yeah, Josie's not so innocent. No, and. and Not not just for the mill and the whole Catherine and Ben situation, but now she's got a a sordid history in the past of doing this. Colluding with Hank Jennings in order to kill her husband. So Cooper's concerns in the previous episode now all of a sudden don't seem so silly. And you really have to wonder what kind of a lawman Sheriff Truman is that he hasn't put this together. But anyway. Yeah. um, Yeah. That's true. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so and Hank, is, Hank tries to extort more money from Josie because yeah, but he, he, he has a great speech about the yeah, market value of 18 months, months, which is really, it's, it's... I've been going over this in my mind and... See, if you could follow my thinking, we're all born into life and we have a certain number of years to move and breathe and have our being. That's from a book on Oriental philosophy I read when I was in the joint. And maybe somebody somewhere knows how much time we have. I don't, do you? So, when a man gives up a certain portion of his life, 18 months for instance, how does he place a value on that time? 18 months, 90,000, what's that, uh, 5,000 a month? Well, that's not bad if you're gonna live another 40 or 50 years, but what if you only got another 20? or 10, or some unforeseen event kills you tomorrow, as in the case of the boating accident that killed your late husband, Andrew. Or say, you just got out of prison, where you went in for a vehicular manslaughter as part of an agreement to avoid being implicated in the commission of a much greater crime murder for which in fact you were responsible but now there's this threat this possible threat that this fact could be discovered and in one stroke 10 or 15 or 20 more years of your life could be cut right off from underneath you so i've been asking myself what does that do to the market value of 18 months it's very it's Mark good. Frost kind yeah. of thing, yeah. And it, it adds a bit more to his character because so far we've just seen him be two-faced and you get the sense he's just this brutish, mean, mm-hmm. jerk guy. Um, but here he, he he has a little eloquence. The, he's got this kind of yeah. evil sinisterness to him that's uh, that's a little more... And it's, it adds a bit more depth. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and he yeah, the way he talks about it is like, well, I learned this in prison, you know? Yeah. I had time to read in my 18 months. Yeah. And he got himself a little bit of an education. He yeah. and stuff. Like, so, yeah, he's not... Yeah, and that comes back later when he talks to Norma. Yeah, as well. Same yeah. same kind of thing, yeah. same kind of conversation. But anyway. But and then so he does this really weird thing at the end where he cuts both of their thumbs and like press them together because yeah, like they're we're blood in business brothers forever. Now, yeah, it's, forever. That's it's like a marriage. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, but my the interesting thing to me is that Josie's freaked out by it. Um, but she then, also but then she kind of turned on by well, it. I don't know about turned on, but it's almost like she's used to something weird like that because then she rubs the blood into her mouth, and yeah, that's very erotic and, mm-hmm. and sure she could be turned on. But um, to me, it's almost like she's like, oh, I got now I got another guy. Like it's almost like she's done this mm. before. Like she's formed blood bonds with other bad people. Yeah, and you know maybe she killed them, or maybe they've maybe that's why she's no longer from Hong Kong or wherever she was from. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Yeah. Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just interesting. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's another it's, little speak, peek into her character. And yeah, definitely. She is, she is an interesting person getting more and more interesting by yeah. the, yes. by the minute. Yes. The first up couple of episodes, you're like, ah, she's just a bad interest, love interest for, yeah. for, uh, Sheriff Truman. But yeah, definitely picks up here. Um, back at the mill. Oh yes. <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> He's looking for her ledger in mm-hmm. the in the office, and there's a really sweet scene between her and Pete where uh, she admits that she's in trouble yeah. and needs his help. And somewhere under all that scar tissue, 
There's the faintest flicker of what we used to feel for each other. I'm asking you to feel that now. Why? Exactly. Because I'm in trouble. And given what I've become and the way I've treated people, there's no one else I can turn to. I need your help. And I... And it's just, yeah. It's sweet. I mean, I still don't like Catherine... And I still think Pete can do better, but you get the sense like that there was love between yeah. them and at the, some point, even like, if it was just a summer's it. indiscretion. Yeah, yeah. Or she whatever. describes it as kind of like a Romeo and Juliet kind of situation. Yes. They were they were from different lives, lives, but they came together and they had this fling, and then they decided just let's do it, let's get married, mm-hmm. and they're they're kind of unhappy because of that. But there's also that that initial romance is still under under their whole relationship. Mm-hmm. It's still there, uh, waiting to be. Because she ta- you know, she surfaced. says to him like. Like, kind of dig deep beneath all of this. There, you, there must still be some affection for me. You're the only person I can turn to. Because I've, I've screwed up everything, everything else. else yeah. And yeah, I've treated you like crap. But but you still love me, right? Like, please be there for me. Yeah. And, and it's such a moment of vulnerability. And for Catherine to be able to come to Pete and say, I need your help. But... Pete's the one who ends up crying in Catherine's yeah. arms and she's like patting him, on, him the on the back and just, you know, really almost overwhelmed and, and just, I can't believe this shit. Like, yeah. but anyway, it's, they're, they're allied for the rest of the episode yeah. because, yeah. uh, yeah, Catherine's she needs help back. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Pete, yeah, he's a loving guy. So of yeah. course he's not going to say no. I also like the, the, the movement of Pete throughout the scene in, in their little office there's two uh, workers outside the window. Yeah, yeah, that's a great And they keep peeking in through the blinds, and, and Pete will move going. down and close the blinds because they obviously want to see the bosses fight, right? Yeah. So he moves around the office, closing the blinds as he goes. And every time he closes the blinds, the guys have moved to that to the next window or whatever. Yeah. So it's just a little, time, little yeah. comics, comic yeah. relief, right? Yeah. But In the middle of it, yeah. yeah. So now we go back to the sheriff's station and we get yes. Andy recounting his his heroic moment of using his penis well. Yeah. So then he tries to use his penis. So yeah, he just talks about it with the with the guys. But Lucy and overhears, overhears it and she gets a little titillated. Yeah. Like, it's well, very, yeah. I mean, he's, he's learning how to his... use his dick properly. <laughs> We're really, really digging in with this. Uh, well, it's pretty blatant. Lean too, into that penis metaphor, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so then she kind of shuffles off and everyone's like, go for it, Andy. Give give her the gun, basically. <laughs> and so he walks in and they've got this this nice little shot of she's in the little alcove with like it's these sliding. It's their little kitchen. It's cute. Yeah, it's, like it's like they have like a little, they have little accordion for doors for the kitchen. And he like, he, he walks in there all kind of confident and closes the doors behind him so they have some privacy. And then he just ki- grabs her and kisses her. And then she reveals that. She's pregnant. And Andy just kind of freaks out and walks out. But it's very much. Of course, it's the wrong reaction that you should have when your girlfriend tells you that she's pregnant. Yes. And of course, we figure out why. We find out why later on. But anyway. But yeah, for this one. She doesn't respond very well. No. So she storms out, tells the guys that there's fresh coffee. And poor Andy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just. Just blown away Wait. by the fact that his, yeah. that Lucy's pregnant. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's it is a cute little scene, but it is also you know definitely about penises. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then, then no, we get no uh, when Lucy goes back to her desk. Uh, she gets a phone call. Yes, and from it's Bobby. Uh, yeah, it's Bobby pretending to be Leo, Saying, telling him that James, James Hurley, he's, he's an, an easy, easy rider. Which I guess people would uh, would no. pick up on that reference. That, what is that reference? To? Well, drugs. 
easy writing is drugs. Well, I think, I I don't know. Maybe we'll have to cut this. But I, is the no, movie I like Easy that. Rider. Oh, is that a movie? The movie Easy Rider. Well, obviously. With Dennis Hopper and. Okay, so one of us is more cultured than the other, and that would the other would be. I me. haven't seen it. Oh well, but you know it exists. Yeah, I, I know it okay. exists. Okay, okay, but it was about drugs, the movie. And motorcycles. Okay, well then, yeah. Okay, that's a great setup then. Um, yeah, so she takes down the notes. <laughs> we um, should hold on just a minute. I'm going to look this up so that we can come back to this because I don't want to sound like an idiot. No, you sound smart. I sound stupid, which is, you know, pretty much par for the course. Um, I'll just, 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 just. I don't want to just put. <sighs> yeah. Harley riding hippies, completing a drug deal in Southern California. Wow. And then they travel cross country in search of spiritual truth. We should watch that movie. <laughs> Sounds like it could be a David Lynch movie, actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So, so Bobby makes that phone call. Yeah. Pretending to be Leo. Yeah. And then... Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, so then we go back to the hospital. Yes. Then we go to the hospital for the first time. Yes. Uh, we see Dr. Jacoby is in traction or in... He's just... He's he's unconscious yeah. or comatose, so maybe, or something. It's not yeah, clear. Yeah, well, he's had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. So he's not in great shape. Uh, and then it goes over to Jacques, who has... Well, who's Andy in, shot him in the arm, so he's Yeah, he's quite... got... Yeah, he's, his cast, he's got a cast in, so his arm, uh-huh. his left arm's immobile, his right arm's uh, chained up with uh, handcuffs so that yep. he doesn't escape. Um, and Cooper and Truman are grilling him, and he basically spills the beans, and basically he says, oh, I didn't kill Laura. We, Laura... Runette, uh, Leo and I were all partying. Leo and I had a fight. Uh, he I, knocked me out. Well, he yeah, he hit me, and then we fought a bit more, and then I got sick, went outside, passed out. And when I woke up, everyone was gone. Yeah. And that's his story. He's he's ended it there. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Cooper has the great line, well, he's too stupid to lie. <laughs> yeah, so they've pretty much absolved him from, from any from guilt here. From the murder, here. yeah. Um, well, not any guilt I mean, yeah but he yeah. didn't kill laura he didn't kill laura right the yeah. worst thing he did was he solicited laura and renette for sex yeah. but Which it's is. it's minor compared to everything else yeah. so there's another j off the list like cooper and truman recognize that that this is uh he's no longer prime suspect yeah. but they are looking well, for leo they, yeah now. they basically narrowed it down now there's one mm-hmm. person left who took the, the girls away and that's leo yeah um we get Doc Hayward telling them that yeah, uh, Jacoby's out of the woods, but yeah. he claims that he saw Laura. And uh, so this is another uh, interesting point that they're going to have to follow up at some point. So a lot of things are starting to pick up at this point, yeah. about midway through the episode. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the Blue Pine Lodge at this point, and uh, Catherine and Pete are looking for the ledger, tearing apart their, their library. Yeah. Um, and Hank calls, and yeah. Catherine dismisses Pete, unceremoniously and uh pete or hank tells Catherine that uh what you're looking for is down at the mill yeah where which is where leo has set up the the fire yes so now we've got uh it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing going on because what is hank's involvement now with the fire yeah, Why because Leo be... set it up, yeah, and Ben has already sensibly paid Leo for that. Right. So um, what is Hank? So doing what's Hank here? doing? And we get that a little bit later. We do. It does clarify, but, but... It, it it starts to make that question yeah. come around. Yeah. Um, we find out that Hank is calling from the double R. So we get another all of these shots with Hank at the double R, where he's like an asshole, and then yeah. he turns around and he's all sweet with Norma, yeah. like this two facedness 
comes up again and yeah. again and again with with Hank at yeah, the Hank's at the, the restaurant. The best one of that. But yeah. he uh, he gives a, a bit of a speech about how he thought about Norma every night that he was in the slammer and thinking about her sleeping on that big feather, feather bed, bed yeah. and and it's a very you know there, there's sexual overtones well, of course yeah and undertones and yeah around tones, tones. Yeah. <laughs> um but he's he's very obviously trying to get back into her good graces and and trying to to kickstart his relationship with absolutely her again. And he's pretty blatant about that and she's even she says like yeah i can't blame a man for wanting that yeah. and, and dreaming about it um but then he weasels his way into a kiss well, he and feeds it's... her a line about trying, wanting to make the restaurant better, and I yeah. think that's the way to her heart. Like this is her, this her is life. her one yeah. thing this that she's her... got. Yeah. So if he's going to help her make her restaurant better, and she believes that he's going to do that, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of, I can see how she would be, you know, why maybe she might kiss him. I, I don't know. It's I like. Don't know. It's it's in character for Norma. Like it I just is. feel like, like Norma's yeah. fleeced and hoodwinked yeah. so much, right? My my note is like, is Norma is she fighting Hank at this point? Mm-hmm. And it seems like yes. Um, but then the kiss happens. Mm-hmm. But then after the kiss, she doesn't really warm up. It's not like she smiles after the kiss. Mm-hmm. Like her face is kind of. Uh, well, she's confused. Monotone. I'm sure everything yeah, is. It's just, and it's so messy with Ed, and she's just basically broken up with Ed, and said, mm-hmm. "Don't come see me anymore." Um, and then from there. You go to Ed and Nadine, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ed arrives home after his long night of work for the, uh, the Bookhouse Boys. Yeah. And he finds Nadine comatose, having taken the pills. Um, I found... So this scene is kind of funny. Oh, God. I know, Aiden. I know. It's really not... It's not funny at all. It's In fact, it's quite sad. But the fact that he comes in and he sees her on the ground in her dress with, with the blankets... Just kind of passed out, and she—he doesn't immediately like get worried. He's just like Nadine, what's what's up? What are you doing? Kind of like he does not have a tone of utmost concern until he gets close and he realizes he sees the pill bottles and the water and everything. I think that's when it kind of clues in for him. But then he just goes down, and I, this was probably common practice. I've seen it in other television shows, but he just slaps her pretty hard in the face. Well, and yeah, it, you're trying to wake her up. I guess. But My goodness, I this is know. not a funny scene. No, but Aiden. there's there's. A, like, have a heart. I don't know. I always find it funny when people slap people <laughs> to, to wake them up. It seems like a trope. Like, I, I would never slap someone to wake them up. I would yell in their ear and shake them before I started slapping them in the face. But uh, Cooper did it too, didn't he? In in one of the scenes or something like that? In the first no. episode? Who does he slap? Uh, Ronette? No. No. <laughs> what am I thinking of? I, I don't think you're thinking of anything. I think you're just pulling, pulling scenes out of the oh, ether. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, I have a terrible Out of podcast honest. land. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Out of the <laughs> podcast ether, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm just appalled right now that, that you, you would think that fun. that was funny. I think we've established <laughs> that one I, of us is mature and the other one is a boy. I just, when people slap people, they're like, oh, I don't know why. Especially the first slap is like, it's hard. It's loud. I don't. You're looking at me. I am. Like I'm a I'm, monster. Yeah, because I. Oh. It's a, a poor woman has just tried to end her life, and you're <laughs> laughing. I know. It says more about me than the scene. Let's move on. Um, so we go back to the. Uh, the sheriff. The sheriff station. Lucy relays there? the message that uh, uh, yes. that from who she thinks is Leo, telling him about James, and uh, and, then, and then also that she heard a. Uh, uh, 
clock, clock. going and, and thinks it's the one that, from Easter Park. Yeah. So Cooper and, Sherm, and Truman split up. Cooper's going to go talk to James. Well, because James has arrived. James yeah. has arrived. He wants to, to, to show sh- them the, the tape. tape yeah. uh, Truman and Hawk discuss putting a perimeter around Easter Park, uh, trying to catch Leo, because they are still trying to catch Leo. He's the prime suspect in Laura's yeah. murder. So, um, so, and then Leland Palmer Leland shows up. We enters. haven't seen Leland since no. uh, he we left him on the couch in the Palmer house in the last episode, looking all creepy in the dark. Yeah. So he shows up and he's like, did you catch him? Did you, like, he's yeah. heard that through the grapevine yeah. that they, Laura's killer might someone, be. Yeah. So Truman says, well, we, we have a suspect. Suspects. We don't have anyone. Mm, yeah. Confirmed. He asks Doc Hayward, are you going that back to the hospital? hospital? He says, no, I'm going home. And uh, and Leland gives this impression of, well, yeah, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to be with Sarah. Everything's fine. But he hears the word hospital. He repeats the word hospital. Yeah. And you know, and you know he's, going. he's going to the hospital. Yeah, I, I found uh, Leland's entry here is really well-timed because it's, it's like this wild X factor that you don't really see coming because he hasn't been a, a, a force since that creepy shot in the... In the living room. Well, he hasn't really been a force since the last time we saw him dancing at the Great Northern. Exactly, right? exactly. So but I mean, you. But that shot in the the on the couch is the interim shot in between mm-hmm. extreme grief, which he's had so far, and to, it's a total break from reality. Yeah, right? exactly. Here, um, and it's it's really well timed, I think, because you don't know what he's gonna do. Yeah. Like he he looks like he's lost his mind. Mm-hmm. He looks deranged, and you have no idea what's gonna happen. But he's going yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and this is picked up again very soon and very, very effectively. Um, so yep. James brings Cooper the tape. Yep. They don't get a chance to listen to it, though, because uh, yeah, Co- Truman, Truman comes in with the cocaine that they found that in Bobby the gas tank. Bobby plants on him, yeah. And all of a sudden, well, James, James is, is in trouble again. again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, always with drugs. Is it always with drugs? First yeah. it was with fighting, wasn't it? Well, there was fighting, but there was just always hints of, like, were you doing drugs with Laura? Yeah, yeah. You know, what's your involvement here? Yeah. But but this is a lot of drugs that were in his, his gas tank. Yes. So um, that's where we leave James. Yep. Uh, we go back up to One-Eyed Jacks, and the yes. Icelanders are signing, signing that, that deal. Yeah. And here we get Hank calling Ben up yeah. at One-Eyed Jacks and telling him that uh, Leo's going to get a house call. Yeah. So now we've got... Just more double crosses. Yeah, I, I I really think we need to make a chart, Aiden, to <laughs> keep track of all help, of this. Because I don't even know why half the you don't know why they're doing all these double, no. all this double crossing. Why isn't Leo and Hank just on the same team? Like Hank's back, he's in charge. Leo just is like, okay, fine, we're, or we can work, work together, together or something like that to make but it better. But nope, nope, nope. Hank's gonna Hank's go, gonna and, go kill and, and kill Leo. Just cause. So uh, well, Leo, I guess, Leo's I guess it be does one. kind of wrap up. There'd be no loose end from uh, yeah. from the Ben's point of view. Yeah, like he would say, oh, well, it was set by Leo who wanted to kill his girlfriend or his wife, Shelly, because um, they're going to introduce Shelly, obviously. That yeah. works out well for, for Ben. Yeah. But yeah, if, there's, if Leo's dead at that point, then that's where the trail ends and yeah. Ben can never be connected to it. So I guess that kind of makes sense, but it, it is. It's just... But then Hank's passing. a loose end... Yeah, exactly. And then you're just going to have, like, you know, yeah. just a whole bunch of loose ends, yeah. and suddenly you've crocheted a blanket. And it's just a very, very strange... I, 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 It's fun to watch, but I don't <laughs> try and logically wrap my head around it, because I can't. Yeah. I will give myself a migraine. Yeah. So do we go from there right to the Johnson house again? Yeah, we do. Uh, Bobby goes to... To find Shelly. To find Shelly, and finds Leo instead. Finds Leo because instead. Leo wants to kill Bobby. And he even... He's threatened... Oh, yeah. 
that he'll kill Bobby. Yeah. He tells Shelly that. Yeah. Um, so we know that that's what he's up to. Yeah. He comes he after a, well, Bobby with an axe. axe. But he has this great... Bobby's like... He tries to play dumb. He's like, oh, I was here. I'm here to warn you or the something. The cops are after you. The cops you. are after you. And, but Leo has this great line, which... Shelly's not here, Bobby. Leo. Man, am I glad to see you. Is there something I can help you with? And I think that is really just the actor. It sounds like he... The way he delivers is just too funny and too, like... Too joyful and heartfelt in this I don't know really if this dark scene. Necessarily the actor, but it's it's. Uh, well, the, just the way people describe him is like I think that's the one shot of that act, of the actor coming through a bit more than Maybe. this dark menacing character, and it's just it's to great effect. And then he just goes after Bobby with mm-hmm. an axe and just mm-hmm. viciously tries to murder him, um, but is interrupted by Hank, Hank shooting him through the window. So there he goes. Hank delivers pretty much right away. Yeah. Yeah, this timeline's really compressed at this point, but it's another one because uh, so Bobby walks away, but Bobby does see Hank. Yes, Bobby looks out the window and sees Hank, but Hank doesn't see Bobby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I often wondered what what is going through Hank's mind when he sees Leo, you know, swinging an axe in his living room. Yeah. What, you know? But anyway, uh, Bobby knows that Hank is the one who shot Leo, but he doesn't do anything to help Leo. Obviously. Yeah, he just walks and away. Then, and then. We don't know where Leo's been shot. Somewhere in the, I'm guessing, in the chest. Yeah, it seems like lungs or something. Like he can't breathe. Yeah, kind of thing he or and he looks like, like he's dire, well. and he yeah. he ends up watching because when when Bobby goes to Leo raises the axe to hit Bobby, and Bobby knocks over the TV, and I think he starts he either turns the TV on or turns the VCR on, and there's a taped episode of Inter- um, Invitation to love. to love playing. And it's a scene where the Leo character on Invitation to Love gets shot. And this is the the last thing that Leo sees before he passes out or maybe he dies. Yeah, the impression is I always had when he first watches that he's dead. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because he stops breathing and his eyes are still open. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, disturbing. But uh, so, yeah, he, uh, that's that's where we leave Leo. Yeah, Leo. Leo Don't know for sure if he's dead or not and what's going to happen with him. Um, and then we, do we go to Catherine? And yeah, the mill? so Catherine goes to the mill. Um, As instructed. Yeah, to drying shed number three and find Shelly there. And uh, and we get this uh, really great Lynchian. Yeah, it kind beautifully of Beautifully Lynchian scene where Catherine shows up. I and think it's more of just a character scene. Catherine is just so nonplussed. She looks, she's like, okay, this thing's on, it's going to be on fire. There's a bomb basically ready to go off. But she's just so calm and collected. And so she interrogates Shelly a little bit. And Shelly's like, you have to help me, you have to help me. And she's like, quiet, I'm thinking. And yeah. she's just, she's so... As an yeah. explosion goes off yeah. next to the dry wood. wood and the gasoline that's poured all over her thing. Like, and she's just like, hmm, I'm going to... She considers all the variables in, that, in yeah, those five minutes, in those five seconds. Which is really, right? yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's very great. funny. Yeah. But she ends up, you know, freeing Shelly and they run out of the room as the place goes up in smoke. And I found, this is another big plot hole for me. That's not a great way to kill anybody is to draw them to a place where there's going to be a fire. Yeah. And then the fire hasn't even started and there's no big explosion to make sure she dies. Like, that was a really bad way to kill Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not sad. Yeah. Like, I would fire Hank if... (laughs) if (laughs) You mean or Leo? Well, either it was either Ben's one. idea. It was Ben's idea, I guess. But Hank's well, it was the one Catherine's who makes the call. idea. Catherine wanted to set the mill on fire yeah. in the first place. Yeah, okay. You'd think she would have known. Like, that, I'm yeah, not going to go to the mill the... because tonight is the night we were going to be exactly. torching it, just... it. So many There's holes. So many holes for this one. It's not great. Let's go back to the hospital. Yeah, that's where this great scene. So, uh, some a gloved, a dark, gloved, gloved hand. hand. 
Not sets the, the fire, fire alarm. alarm. So you go from a fire to a fire alarm, mm-hmm. which I thought is great. Mm-hmm. And the fire alarm is the music for the scene, basically. Yeah. And so uh, you follow this person into uh, the room where... Jock is sleeping. Resting, sleeping, yeah. Uh, in traction, basically. Yes. Yeah. And then gloved hands, grab a pillow, and choke him to death. Yeah. Um, smother him. Smother him. And, yeah. And uh, so... The, and. For the most part, the only audio is the fire alarm until you get him struggling. You get Jacques struggling against the pillow and then his heart rate monitor, mm-hmm. you know, does the erratic beep and then goes flatline. And then it returns from there to the... You hear the fire alarm the go fire for alarm a little comes bit back As the camera pans up and you find out his killer is... Leland Palmer. Leland Palmer. And, and then the fire alarm cuts out and Leland, like, jumps. He's... It's almost like the the fire and his his face is in agony as he's doing this it's almost like he's screaming the fire alarm that's how yeah, i always took that shot that's exactly how i always yeah it's it's a really amazing shot of like he's channeling this inner alarm this mm-hmm. scream is being as emitted as he kills the person that he believes killed, killed laura killed his daughter um, and then the fire alarm stops and his face gets calm again. Yeah. So i almost thought i mean i believe that there was a fire alarm we see that there was a fire alarm set off. Yeah. But how much of it is internal and how much of it is actually happening in the hospital, we don't know. But you get the sense, it's almost like the scenes where Leland um, seems to be able to turn on the music in the Great Northern at will. Well, and yeah, exactly. Everything with audio, everything with uh, Leland is about audio, um, right from the phone call in the first episode, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And here I've got like, it's it's like the electronic shrill is is the soundtrack to evil. Every time there's... Every time there's uh, some sort of powerful noise, mm-hmm. it's it's going evil, and whether mm-hmm. it's the the or it's transmitting evil, it's going back to the first episode. Really, is the mm-hmm. most prevalent one with the the announcements of Laura's death, um, and this is really tying it back to that quite strongly. And in you know the most visceral way, like this is as far as I know, this the only this is the first murder we see on screen. Well, if you don't count Waldo. I guess. Well, we didn't see we Waldo didn't get see shot. We didn't see Waldo get shot. But and I guess yeah. we did just see Leo get shot too, I guess. But we don't know if he's dead. But here but this we is, see But this is a Jacques. brutal murder. Yeah, and it this is an uncomfortable, and, disturbing scene. Yeah. Like, I don't like watching it, but... Yeah, and and you're like, oh my god, Leland's capable of that. Yeah. Like, and is that, that's how unhinged he is. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, yeah. So, anything else on that one? Nope. Okay. Back at the mill, we get uh, all the workers who are now responding to this massive fire that's happened. And... Uh, Pete shows up and asks about Catherine because he sees her car there. So he wonders if she's there and says, well, I'm going to have to go in after her because she's still my wife. And it's just such a... So pure. Yeah, so pure, so innocent. Pete, loving Pete. Yeah, he just does it. Um, So he runs in with his little fire extinguisher and tries to save Catherine. Yeah, he puts his goggles down. It's just a great scene. It's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. but now we don't know what's going to happen to Pete. Or, we don't know Catherine. what's happened to Catherine did, yeah, or Shelly either. Like, we don't really know at this point. Yeah. Although I think we did say they do get out. But <laughs> anyways, the audience does not know. Well, they get point. they get out of the room where the yeah, fire had started. That's true. But yeah. we don't see them again for the rest of the episode. No, so definitely. we don't know what happens to them. No. Uh, so then we go back to One-Eyed Jacks. One-Eyed Jacks. The deal with the Icelanders are done. Ben sends... Uh, Mr. Iceland, I he has a name. Thorson, I think. I don't know. Something like that. But yeah. anyway, she, he sends him off with a cigar and two beautiful women. And the chip full. Of, yeah, yeah to playful play chips, on the yeah. house. He says yeah. so. He's very happy that Ghostwood Estates and Country Club is going to go ahead. Yeah. Um, Blackie enters. Right? Blackie enters, and and she 
slinks up to Ben and says, good job, boss. And I think this is the moment when we realize that Ben is the owner. owner. Yeah, so, I don't think it's... No, yeah, it's, I don't think it's so implied, it's hinted, It's yeah. it maybe doesn't come as a shock, but what does come as a shock is that we know that Audrey is here. Waiting for the owner. And that Blackie has said... Yeah, the new girls. The new girls always get to meet the owner. Yeah. So Ben is... Now we find out the owner of One Eye Jacks. Audrey is waiting to meet the owner of One Eye Jacks. Yeah, and it's the so first. This is, yeah. this has been a whole season's worth of, of play up to this moment that is now so disturbing because now we have this layer of incest, incest coming yeah, into it's the things. First, it's the first time that incest comes up in this, mm-hmm. and it's it is really terrifying, especially for because the next very next scene is Audrey in the room, right? Yeah, and she's getting the cards sewn to her with the this hunchback seamstress. Who's played by Leslie Linka Glatter, actually, yeah, I said, found out. That's um, so cool. Who's one of the directors of the past yes, episodes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's having the card sewn on, and, and the, the seamstress bustles away when the door opens, and Audrey sees reflected in a mirror, I think, mm-hmm. that it's her dad. Her dad is the owner. So, so the alarm that registers on her face yeah. is that now she's in over her head. Yeah. Now she's... I mean, what can she do? Can she... Can she say, well, like... Well, and okay, and here's the thing is that... Oh, well, well, no, let's talk about it maybe in the in the next episode because what happens is not is not clear. Like, this is one of the biggest cliffhangers. I'd say mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God, this is the perfect coming together of these two characters who have gone on totally different paths and they wind up here in this super awkward, terrible situation. Yeah. It's a great, great cliffhanger for sure. So, yeah, yeah let's not ruin it and we'll, we'll get into the next episode. Uh, so, yeah, and I love that the ne- the last scene, so we have the second last scene is Audrey's danger. Yeah. The last scene is Cooper's danger. It's just linking these two characters again. I'm going to keep talking about yeah. this until no, it's, yeah, they're it's done. No, it's done on purpose for sure this way, yeah. Um, these are the two characters in, in the greatest danger, I think, for their, I mean, well, Audrey's in no Audrey's <laughs> in no physical danger, but but there's a a, a moral yeah, danger yeah. that she's in that's yeah. that's a really really dark. And then we get Cooper, who is walking down the hallway, coming home. It's four in the morning yeah. on March third. Talking to Diane. Talking to Diane about uh, how quiet it is. As you can hear from the ambient sound around me. And I notice with some relief that the Icelandic group staying on my floor have either checked or passed out. I may not need the ear pillow earplugs, which I did receive today, Diane, although I suspect I may put them to use as a purely precautionary measure. Uh, how he's going to order. He's ordered already hot milk, hoping that that'll help put him to sleep. Um, he's going to use the earplugs that she sent him as a precautionary okay. measure. And yeah, she says about room service. 24-hour yeah. room service is the, you know. One of the great achievements, yeah. Of modern civilization. So he opens his door. He's got his coat slung over his shoulder. He's just, job well done. Yeah. We we solved this problem. Leo's the murderer. We're going to catch him. Everything's going to be fine. And he finds Audrey's note on the door, but he doesn't read it because the phone rings. And he puts the note down, and he answers the phone. And we don't get a sense of who it is, but well, Cooper's kind asks. of annoyed. Well, see, I didn't get annoyed. I got, like, he was, it was like another mystery call. It was like he Maybe, got, but, it was but, like but, the one, it, like, getting the note from Audrey, except it's it's a call this time. But it's not, because right away you hear it's Andy. As soon yeah, as but I think, I think when he picks up the phone, maybe he can't hear, because it almost sounds like the phone line is cutting out or something. 
It's well, like broken communication. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Because yeah. when he puts the phone down and you can hear Andy's voice coming through, yeah. it's almost like Andy is asking, like, Cooper, can you hear me? Like, yeah, it would be yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. a call. Like, sure. Cooper? Cooper? Yeah. Um, or Agent Cooper, I guess yeah. is what he says. Um, because Cooper. anyway, the, the door, uh, somebody knocks at the door. Cooper assumes it's his room service. So he puts the phone down and says, I'll be right back, yeah. you know. Walks to the door and yeah. gets, and, uh, we so get the cliffhanger. We, but wait, we... Andy is on the phone trying to tell him about Leo. Yes, that we found that Leo Johnson. Shot. He's been shot. Yeah. And so, as Cooper goes to the door, opens the door, and we see the muzzle of a gun, and, and we see Cooper's face, and then three shots right to Cooper's gut. Yeah. So those are the three uh, sounds that the log lady was talking yeah. about in her intro. intro yeah. That have now come to fruition. Yeah, the song the is over because yeah. the, the, the season and, and the song and is the, over. And the screen goes blank. That's and we it. hear Cooper's body drop to Hit the, the floor. floor. Yeah. And that's really it. I is there yeah. even any music that plays out? Well, you the, get the, the end, end credits, credits music, sound. but that yeah. but there's just a blank screen no. as the the, the credits I mean, start. Yeah, come on. What a cliffhanger. Like it's that's a great, that's amazing. Well, like, and it's not even just the one cliffhanger. There's so many of well, them. That's like the thing, we don't yeah. know what's going to happen to Audrey, what's going to happen with Shelley, what's going to happen with Leo, what's going to happen with Bobby, Catherine, James, Pete's missing, Nadine. you know. Shelly and Hank, like what's what's Hank Everybody gonna happen? Yeah, everybody has, has so a much going on. There's so Josie, many things going on. Like yeah, there's so much going on, and it, it's great. I will say this about the next episode, the first episode of season two. There's a great thing where uh, Lucy recaps all the things that happened yes. while Cooper. And we'll talk about yeah. that because it is it is one of those things that yet you, you have to wonder. They they had to have been aware that they were par like they were parodying soap operas. This happens yeah. in soap operas all the time. Yeah. You know, a day or two will go by and everybody will have died and been resurrected again. Yeah, yeah. Or their evil twin will come to town. Yeah. Um, that's what that's what they're playing with here. And uh, But to much greater effect, I think, just because of the nature of the show and the fact that it was dealing with some, some pretty heavy dramatic elements as well. Yeah. The stakes are very high as yeah. we end this season. Yeah. And... Uh, and so the May 23rd, 1990, the season didn't premiere again. Season two didn't premiere again until September. So you had the whole summer hiatus. People wondering. That was normal back then. What was going to happen? Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm just saying yeah. it's, it's Those were real cliffhangers now. back then. We still have it now. I guess for some series. But I mean, for the most part, you know, Netflix and things, yeah, 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 it but, changes, But I'm right? talking about network shows. Yeah, yeah. When you watch sure. them, you're still on hiatus for four months. But yeah. But do they all end on these kind of cliffhanger? Well, hangers? now, yeah. I mean, you think even freaking Big Bang Theory has a cliffhanger every season, right? But like, it's not like this. No, I don't think that. I can't think of another show that I've watched that. I mean, okay, we we love The West Wing. Season one of The West Wing yes. also ends with yeah. the shooting. You have no idea what's going to happen yeah. there. That one's really, really great too. But it's again, it's it's one cliffhanger. It's one event. Yeah. It is is and you don't know how many characters are gonna it's gonna affect. But it had just one plot line going on. This um, is several this different plot so lines that have been woven. And, so and then the fact yeah. that it's Mark Frost who wrote this last episode, and he's the one. David Lynch really puts the... The, the weird into it. Well, no, it's his... It's his well, it's Lynchian. Uh, it's Lynch's world. It's Lynch's slant on, on things. It's his, his big ideas that come in. And Mark Frost is the one who I think ties it all together. Yes, David Lynch does bring the weird in. Mark Frost grounds it in reality, and he's the one. Yeah. He's the storyteller. I I get the sense that that David Lynch is the one who starts the plots in motion, 
and he doesn't really care where it goes. Yeah, He'll just follow it, it where up, it goes. Yeah. Yeah. But but Mark Frost is a novelist now. Like he he's he obviously has a talent for this. He's the one who brings all these plot lines together in a very tight episode that yeah, grounds it in reality and leaves it on this amazing cliffhanger that uh you just can't help but want to watch what happens next and that's a testament to this is why they work so well together that yeah. Mark Frost can take yeah, these is, ideas yeah. and elements that David Lynch set in motion and pull them together in such a way that makes it a very compelling engaging episode yeah. yeah no definitely and yeah this is definitely the the best example of that probably for the whole series to be honest because this is yeah. yeah this is all the i mean it doesn't have much of the david lynch weirdness this one really it's it's more maybe i'm, I'm hesitant to say that that's all that david lynch does because he's more than just weird. oh no he for has sure his own, his own you know oh no and i think he helped ethos. create these characters that 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 go on this path and, mm-hmm. and stuff so i i don't it's not like he didn't he's not involved or his mark isn't on this thing it's all over it it's just it's a little less of of the this the yeah it's a little less lynchian i'd say um but it's still great and i mean like i'd say lynch's greatest moments in the series are stuff to do with the red room uh and when you do find out who killed laura palmer that Mm -hmm. whole sequence and he directed those episodes Mm -hmm. when you find that out uh those are just amazing and he did he really transformed that the the characters involved and the way it's shot and everything he he really turned it into a work of art Mm -hmm. um Whereas here, this is just great television, entertainment television. At, and at people have peak. always yeah. said that, that, that David Lynch was this, you know, auteur, filmmaker, you know, avant-garde type of person. Mark Frost was the guy who made it palatable to the mass yeah. audiences, which simplifies well, it dramatically. The, yeah. yeah. But, oh, yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, in, in reading, you know, The Secret History of Twin Peaks, which was an entire Mark Frost production, um, well, he's he's yeah. the one who builds the mythology into something Two, that's yeah. much bigger and deeper and goes further. Yeah, has than, more depth. Yeah, yeah, than uh, than what we were left with. So I think yeah, it's like he's he builds the world, and then David Lynch fills it with interesting things, and yeah. then he plays with those things. It's it's a bit of back the, and forth. The, almost. It's just yeah. this show could not happen without the two of them. Yeah, and that's yeah. one reason why Firewalk with Me feels like it exists in a totally different realm because yeah. Mark Frost had nothing to do with that film. Yeah. So, but we'll talk about that when we yeah, get to we'll the movie. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, we right talk now a lot about Firewalk. We do, yeah. but we'll, ha- we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, we're going to finish here because yes. this is the end of season one. We're going to come back with season two. two. And, uh, one. and we're going to do a season one recap. We yeah. don't know what order we'll release them in. Probably season one recap first. Yes, we'll do the season that, one but recap. That makes much more sense. Much yes, more course. sense. Why would we release yeah, that? You're right. That doesn't make any sense. So we'll do that and uh, we'll see you for that one. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. Or you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aiden Hales, that's A-I-D-A-N Hales, H-A-I-L-E-S, and Lindsay's at Linstam, L-I-N-Z-S-T-A-M. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you.